Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Emma Swartz and Baron Collins Hill. We recorded this last Saturday at their home in Portland, Oregon. Get Up in the Cool is listener-funded. Shout out to Andrew Sweet, who just raised their support level on Patreon. Thanks so much, Andrew. Enjoy the weekly bonus track. To those of you who haven't yet signed up to support Get Up in the Cool, go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool and pledge amount that you can sustain. Thanks. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Emma Swartz and Baron Collins Hill. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me in your house. Oh, it's our pleasure. Yeah. It's so exciting to have <laughs> someone in our house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to try to get in as much as I can before um, 
the the new the new variant hits. Yeah. Um, so people have been talking about like this week and next week is like a uh, almost like a bachelor party. Before <laughs> oh <prom>. no! <laughs> it's like a yeah. bachelor party that brings up. <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah, we're just gonna go all out <laughs> and before we have to hide away again. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I am meeting you too. We've not met before in person, right? This is I our first time so. meeting. I don't think That's so. Okay, because y'all moved here or back here uh, into Portland in February of 2020. Yes, indeed. And then any chance that we would have had to meet each other organically was reduced to nothing. Yes. Uh, until now. Uh, and Kate introduced us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... Kate, of Kate a couple Gregory. episodes ago. Yeah. Well, first of all, how did you how did you meet her, or did you know her before? <laughs> we met her through uh, the first real friend that we made in Portland that wasn't connected to Emma's family. Uh, Sam and Laura, Sam Vogt and Laura Reed. I saw them. Who uh, play mostly Irish tunes. Um, yeah. And we met them, and then hung out once or twice. And then they were like, hey, can we have our friend Kate join us, too? And then Kate was the the cornerstone <laughs> friend of my, all the tunes players we know in Portland met, now. Like 25 other people oh, wow. in a few that's, weeks. That's wild. Cause she, she hadn't been here too long. Yeah, no, she, but yeah. she's very friendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess through, through Irish music then. Yeah, we both play Irish music also. Yeah, there's some all sorts of button, <laughs> button boxes behind. Whose are those? Um, we we both have accordions in the accordion pile. Yeah, <laughs> this one is mine, and this one's Baron's. <laughs> yeah, do you? So you both play Irish music mo- mo- on multiple instruments. Is that like your? I guess so. Yeah, I don't play a whole lot of Irish on accordion. I play. Mandolin and tenor banjo and bazooki and tenor guitar. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, someone's here. Oh. <laughs> Should I go see who that is? Uh, yeah. yeah, I've noted already. Sorry for the pause. No worries at all. This is uh, probably the, one of the least distracting environments I've ever recorded in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> when did you get into playing Irish music? E- either of you go. Uh, I have the maybe less exciting story, so maybe I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> I started out playing mandolin um, as my first instrument around the year 2000, mostly because it's easy to count from 2000 of how many years I've been playing. That's uh, why you started <laughs> yeah. Well, not why I started. It's why I say it could have been 99 or 2000. Sure. But 2000 is easy to count from. Um, and... First heard Bluegrass, I heard Nickel Creek and Chris Thiele and was like, oh, I don't even know what that instrument is, but I like it. And got into some local like Bluegrass festivals just yeah. to go pick with people. I knew a G, a C, and a D chord and just went there and looking for people playing in the key of G until yeah. uh, I, then they went to D and I said, all right, see you later. Um, <laughs> and that Bluegrass has its token like one to two dozen tunes that everyone knows. Mostly yeah. from the old time tradition, but some sort of bluegrass old time, yeah. uh, recently composed stuff. And I was like, man, I really like these these instrumental tunes these bluegrass people play. It's too bad there aren't like more of them. 
because I, I like those best. Like I like bluegrass for the singing, but really I, I like I like picking these tunes. And then I went to Maine Fiddle Camp to pick up a friend, a fellow mandolin player. Um, a great music camp in Maine for all things traditional music. A lot of New England tunes and Irish tunes and old time tunes. And I was like, this is there's like there's more tunes than the the dozen bluegrass tunes. All right, sign me up. And mostly got into started out with like Quebecois and then mm. some old time and kind of then Irish. Um, there's a Irish session in Belfast, Maine, where we were both living. And I didn't really regularly play Irish music until uh, moving there in like 2012 or so, 2013 maybe. So when you, when you went to Maine Fiddle Camp, it was not to participate, but literally just to pick up a friend who the, was there. The first time I went was to yeah. pick up a friend. Yeah, um, and you were impressed. And then I was like, whoa, yeah. there's like... Uh, there's a couple hundred people here just playing the instrumental tunes that I like to hear and wish there were more of. <laughs> yeah. And apparently there are more of. And Main Fiddle Camp's really like a melting pot. So I didn't really pick up that there was like Irish and old time and sure. the different genres at that point. I was just like, lots of tunes. Cool. Um, and slowly learned over the years and did a lot of contradance music for contradances, yeah. which is, again, a big mix of stuff. Sure. But I never really sat down regularly in an Irish session until probably 2013. Yeah. What about you, Emma? Um, I took lots of music lessons and quit as a kid. Like, I'd say I had six months each of, like, piano, guitar, violin. Okay. Yeah. And I hated them all and quit. Yeah. Why? But then... How old uh, were you and why did you hate them? Oh, good questions. I was in elementary school, I think. Yeah. And I think I hated having to learn things that didn't feel especially fun like the the things I was expected to practice were like they just felt like exercises and not like actual real music that anyone would ever want to play if they weren't at their piano lesson did you volunteer yourself to take these lessons or were they imposed on you I think it was a little bit of a combo. Okay. I think I was always willing to give it a try. I know I was interested in the violin lessons that happened at my elementary school and you could leave class to go do violin class instead. So I was interested until I started having to practice boring music and then I would just want to (laughs) quit. But then when I was 12 years old, my family moved to Dublin, Ireland. And that was when I started to identify as a musician and started playing Irish music. Yeah, so you had had a minute of, like, how did you, what was the transition between uh, being a... um, a failed violin student (laughs) (laughs) in the States? To uh, actually learning, I guess, Irish music from Irish people. Is that what you did, or did you study classical in Ireland? Because I guess people would do that as well. Yeah, no, I started learning Irish music right away. Um, They have an interesting kind of, like, national cultural music and dance organization called Cultus Kiltery Aaron that is, like... uh, 
really widespread and teaches music and dance to kids and organizes some huh. music and dance things. And uh, is it is it a government partnered organization? Is it a for profit? Business? How does it work? I don't really know. These are good questions. But it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And people, there are some like mixed feelings about it in the Irish music world because it's everywhere and it's a little bit standardized. Sure. But also because it's everywhere, it's really promoting these traditional cultural things. So it's an interesting mixture like it's really good that kids can learn music easily but also like maybe it glosses over some you know regional specific differences yeah i guess that would be kind of inevitable yeah when i was there it was in my like particular neighborhood suburb of dublin has its own branch and it was in a school building on Saturday when the school was empty and they had mostly like young adults and teenagers teaching younger kids music. And I signed up to play the whistle first. How come? Why? Because a lot of people do that, I guess, because it's very easy to get a whistle. They're very cheap. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and like not a huge commitment. Yeah. If your kid has already quit three instruments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and like it's pretty straightforward to play. Like, I mean, some people spend their life mastering it for sure as like a true instrument, but it's also a tube with six holes and you can, <laughs> you know, In my wrap your brain around playing whistle <laughs> poorly. In my experience playing fiddle poorly, it is easier to get the whistle <laughs> to sound fine. Yeah. <laughs> musical. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound musical at all. So I think yeah. many people in Ireland start out playing the whistle and then they either decide to commit their life to the whistle and become a sure. master or a lot of them decide to kind of graduate to a different more expensive which did instrument. You, which did you do? <laughs> I chose the fiddle. As far as, far as I know, <laughs> you may be a whistle master. You're preparing the lead. No, I'm not a whistle okay. master. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. And my mom was learning the concertina, which oh. is like a little tiny accordion type instrument. Which, and which one does she do? The, the English or the Anglo? Oh, Anglo, Anglo. concertina. It, I believe... Please correct me if I'm wrong. Anglo is the one different note in and out. Yes. As opposed to the sort of tennis match like uh, the English. Precisely. Left and right going up. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. It's like two harmonicas put in a box. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Or something Mm -hmm. with some extra wacky notes. Don't they have extra wacky notes? The third round. Like yeah. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the spicy notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So she was learning that. She was learning the concertina. Why was she doing that? Because she had to bring my brother and I to the music lessons <laughs> and then sit around and wait for us to have our lesson. And sure. So she thought I should maybe just have a lesson too. 
That's a good idea. And my dad was learning Irish bagpipes called the Illin Pipes. So our house was a crazy, noisy place to be. Yeah, were they, do they still play concertina and um, Not very much. My dad can definitely still play the pipes when he gets them out. Uh, my mom, I haven't heard her play for a while. I think when we moved back to Portland, they didn't find their exact level. Like our whole family at that point was at a very particular intermediate level of musician where I feel like sometimes it can be easy to find really professional, really awesome musicians who are playing fast and well, and it can also be easy hopefully to find like a complete beginner really slow yeah. jam but they didn't really find people to play with who were like in the middle and it's less fun to play by yourself so yeah and i would because like for let's say banjo or guitar or maybe mandolin I've heard of a lot more people getting gigs that are like we just need someone to fill to sit sit in with, on one of these instruments, you don't have to uh, do a face melting solo or anything. <laughs> uh, you don't have to. You can just play chords or whatever. But maybe there isn't the same um, kind of demand for someone to sit in with like an Illum <laughs> Whenever the Illum Pipes play, they are front and center. Yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot of Illum Pipe backing. It's like a higher stakes instrument to be intermediate at. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Kind of like the banjo can be sometimes. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Very audible. Yeah. Well, maybe we've been talking for a while. We should probably play another tune, but maybe after that we can talk about when old time entered the picture and to what extent it entered the picture and what you had to change in order to learn how to do it specifically. So... Sounds great. But what should we play first before we go there? That's the question. We could play Lookout Blues. Great. Okay. Cool. Where's Lookout Blues from? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure where it's from. It can be where is it from for you (laughs) two. It doesn't have to be. What is the source? Yeah. I learned it from Emily Horn. Emily Jeffries. uh, Who I think maybe you two have met. Okay. Because I feel like I've, <laughs> I've talked to her. Okay. She's from Alabama and yeah. now she lives in Maine. She has a lot of very cool tunes from Alabama oh, and great. Georgia, I guess. Yeah. I could look up where it's from because I've got... We played a lot of tunes with her in Maine and she taught us this tune. Right on. Thanks, Emily. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I start this tune slower than I really want to play it. Actually, sometimes I start all tunes slower than I really want to play them. I think maybe some people start tunes a little too fast, and some people start tunes a little too slow. Yeah. I would love to do a survey. (laughs) Well, I think if you're going to err on one side, I think starting too slow and then speeding it up is... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, too a little weird to hear the brakes getting yeah. pushed. True. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> 
weirdly has no B part. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially it's, I don't know if I've heard a tune uh, set up that like expectation without then going yeah. no blues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually my favorite part of it. Yeah. And how it has like I love to put like a little like suspenseful pause yeah. in at that moment and yeah. then just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. How strange. It's so cool. And that A part is really it's really crooked. Yeah, I guess or it, it feels is. crooked to me. Yeah, I'm not really not <laughs> upon verse listening. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like people are always saying to me, like, oh, wow, that tune is really crooked, and I, like, didn't even notice. I don't know why. I think maybe because I'm, like, an extremely melody-focused musician, and I just have only played melody instruments, and I just think of tunes as kind of like a a little story made of notes more than, like, Thinking of the beats and the chords, different lengths, learning them. Of lines. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I I noticed because <laughs> I was like, what? How do I? <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I was counting it out of my head there, and it's like six, four, six, five, or yeah, it's sure. like the number of little <laughs> phrases, and I hadn't really thought about it that hard, but. Definitely very crooked. <laughs> so when did uh, when did old time music enter the picture for the two of you? You want to go first this time? Sure. Um, I have another kind of roundabout story. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, so I, w- I only played Irish music for like seven years, six or seven years. Um, but I really liked all different kinds of traditional music and, um, when I got to college, I kind of decided that I really wanted to learn Quebecois music. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um. Who did you see playing Quebecois music or? When I was like 15, my family had moved from Ireland to Australia. Okay. And... 
Um, really? oh, where the <laughs> there was one woman in yeah. Australia who I met who was really great at playing Quebecois oh, tunes. Her really name was Priya Schwal Kearney. Um, and so I think she might have been the first person I heard playing them. And I was pretty inspired and thought that was really cool. And then shortly after that, at a a huge folk festival there, um, I saw Jante Corum mm. playing. It was yeah. kind of like a... That'll do it. You know? That's a good answer. Quebecois <laughs> super group. <laughs> We're in Australia, and which folk festival was it? Um, I lived in Sydney, Australia, but it was the National Folk Festival yeah. of Australia, which happens in Canberra. Cool. Where, where, where are your parents moving all across, <laughs> the, all across the globe? Uh, my dad worked for Google. Yeah. But my parents also, I think, always wanted to take my brother and I out of the country. So yeah. I think they were always looking for a way they could do that. And my job, uh, my dad, <laughs> my dad's job was he, uh, he applied for a job which was in Ireland. Yeah. So he didn't work for them until we, he decided that we should move there. Yeah. I mean, I just said that he decided that we should move there, but really we all talked about it, and I felt included in the decision, oh, cool. even as a kid, you know? Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah. I, I'm curious uh, <clears throat> what that would do to, to one sort of identity to be moved around to so many different places, your sense of like ethnic belonging or what cultures you have access to, or you maybe you, I, I've met some people who have like moved all over the place as kids and they feel like they belong everywhere. I've met some other people who are just like, Oh yeah, I feel like I don't have my own, my own <laughs> culture. And like, I'm always an outsider and that's my identity. Uh, I'm curious like how that, played in and maybe especially in regards to music Mm -hmm. I think I mean there's definitely little elements of both like feeling like I can figure out how to fit in anywhere and feeling less maybe a little less of a connection to any one place but I feel like it was a really great positive experience for me And I loved living in all those different places and seeing what was different and what was the same. And I feel like being an American, living abroad, even as a 12-year-old, was interesting because I had to sometimes felt like I almost had to even, like, defend myself and my culture and where I was from. Okay, I mean this... Even as a little, like, pretty little kid. <laughs> this raises the question, because, like, how, did you say when you were 12, when you were 12 is when you moved? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's, what would, which presidency were we in when you were 12? Uh, George Bush was still so the be, president. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like that was the wait, big fall from is that true? the first one in my life. <laughs> yeah, because it was 2006, and yeah, Obama yeah, got elected for the first time yeah. when we were in Australia, I remember. Okay, yeah. Yeah. 
So you you were defending your like we're not all yeah <laughs> like yeah yeah um, be a toxic time to be an American abroad. Yeah. yeah, it was it was strange to be like twelve in middle school and have other middle schoolers being like, "Why does everyone in your country have guns?" and like <laughs> having to grapple with that and try yeah. to explain that as a twelve year old to other twelve year olds. Yeah. So interesting. So in some ways I feel like like I do identify with being like a little bit of an expat in some ways yeah. and with those cultures I was in a little bit now as a grown up, but I also feel like there was interesting ways in which it made me like think about being American. That I wouldn't have thought about if I yeah. was just in the U.S. surrounded by other Americans all the time. Yeah, you're not getting challenged on your Americanness if you're in exactly America. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah, I mean that's sort of like the ultimate privilege, you know, sort of like be American and not have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that maybe sounds like maybe a good, a good. Yeah, thing. I think like, it was very good. Like maybe everyone should. Go move to Dublin for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. I've talked to people about it who are shocked that my parents took their kids away from like their environment at such a formative age, you know, because I was 12 and my brother was eight. Um, but I always try to answer like, you should definitely take your kids out of their environment. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. It can be a lot of fun and it's really good for their brains. Yeah. I didn't leave Oregon until I was 21. And that was, I was, I felt like I, I should have done that sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up in the Portland area. And yeah, there's all sorts of things that you, I mean, maybe you've, you left earlier, obviously, but like certain things that you like see in Portland and that, that are, not representative of even like Seattle, <laughs> even though it's in the, essentially the same region, but it's like it's a very specific place. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. What should we play next? Um, Great question. I think we still didn't get to the <laughs> yeah, whole time. Still... <laughs> I feel like we were talking we for a while, but we still have more interview stuff to do, so. Let's, should let's I finish my story or should we play another let's, let's play another tune and then, and then we can get to the old time part. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, we could do uh, Flatwoods or... You're the... Yeah, sure. Player this is related to my next oh, phase great. of my story. Okay, perfect. This is a... Flatwoods is just like, a, you know, a classic kind of uh, Clyde Davenport yeah. old time tune that I learned... In Montreal. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> um. Thank you. 
a precious little tune. Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sorry for all the tangents and losing the plot. I just you're saying a lot of things that were interesting to me, and then I forgot what the original question was. You got into Quebecois music in Australia. <laughs> you learned an old time this, that old time tune in Montreal. I'm seeing a connection there. <laughs> yes. So when I was in college, I wanted to learn Quebecois music. And so I decided to study abroad for a year in Canada. Yeah, great. Which was very funny. I was the only person in my school going to study abroad in Canada. Because I think a lot of people were like, it's right there. Why would you... Yeah spend your time abroad in Canada but it it turns out Canada is a really different place from the United States yeah. and I had a really awesome cultural experience of a year living there um and I was taking some lessons about Quebecois fiddle playing and I was going to some Quebecois music jams and um Quebecois tunes are very, like a lot of them are very complicated and very crooked and have a lot of notes and are in several different crazy keys all in one tune. And, you know, uh, between that and then really the self-imposed fact that when I went to play with these musicians, I was trying to speak French the whole time. I think they all would have spoken English to me, but I yeah. was trying to learn French and I didn't want to be a person who showed up and expected them all to speak English when they're passionate about their culture, which sure. is a Francophone culture. So I went to these places. This is your expat, like, sensibilities <laughs> and instincts. Probably my yeah. training from yeah. early on. And so I would go to these places and just use like every brain cell I had to try and speak French and learn crazy tunes. And meanwhile, through sacred harp singing, I knew a really lovely guitar player named Dara Weiss, who yeah. lives in Montreal. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and she's the best. Yeah, she's the best. And yeah. she introduced me to all of the really wonderful old time musicians that live in Montreal. The, of which there are many. Of which there are so many. Yeah. Um, and they just became some of my really good friends during that year and also like a really relaxing place that I could go and be with other people who were mostly Anglophones. So I was not putting pressure on myself to speak French to them. Yeah. And we're playing old time tunes, which can be complicated, but also tend to have a lot less notes than yeah. Quebecois tunes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I kind of, I went there to learn Quebecois music and then I ended up really falling in love with old time music yeah. and learning both at the same time. Yeah, it sounded like you kind of set up like your relationship with Quebecois to be something that was very work 
oriented and like your relationship with old time became like comfort oriented. Yeah. I don't think I, I realized that when I was doing it that way, but yeah. <laughs> I think that is what happened. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I just really had a blast hanging out with Dara and Matt and going to an old time jam they hosted at a really nice bar called Grumpy's in Montreal. <laughs> and cool. yeah. It was a great time. I learned that tune, Flatwoods. Yeah. From them. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. I wish my old time origin story was hanging out with the all day breakfast yeah. band. Yeah. Playing at Grumpy's. That yeah. sounds great. It was it was a good time. Yeah. They were very welcoming and encouraging and right away we're like, here's a fiddle, just try and play it while yeah. I go outside to smoke a cigarette, you know, yeah. even though I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about old time. They were like, sure, you don't just come on, just yeah. try it. Cool. And they also know a lot about old time music. So I felt like they could, when I was wondering, like wanting to learn more about what it was and how to do it and yeah. they could you know give me a whole bunch of music to listen to and suggestions and explain things and it was great mm. i learned a lot well, someday i'll get the rest of that band on the show i've had max and dinner on so far nice. but then we'll be able to have the infinity gauntlet of how did you two meet? And maybe Baron, you can answer this question since uh, I've you've just been very nicely sitting well. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I was a better uh, talker than I am. <laughs> uh, we met in college, so we both went to college in Western Massachusetts, uh, and we went to Smith. I went to Hampshire College. Um, yeah, and we actually kind of met in between. I was just out of college, and everyone was just starting. And our mutual friend, Sasha Shuchek, who we were talking about earlier, uh, <laughs> uh, introduced us and started playing tunes. And yeah, that's about. I think that you two are a romantically involved partnership, right? <laughs> yes, that is correct. correct. Here's why I don't know if that ever got explicitly put, but. You live together, and uh, you have like kind of like matching slippers. <laughs> so I, That's true. Which we have those dead giveaways. Slippers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, I wonder if they're not just roommates. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. not just yes. roommates. Yeah. So you met through Sasha, started playing teens together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And started sharing life things together as well. Great. Yep. Emma moved up. I'm from Maine, uh, and. After college, Emma moved to Maine, and there's a very lively Maine music scene, and we've been playing a lot of tunes ever since, and mm -hmm. it's been good. Yeah. And I guess at, what, at which point did you kind of start getting into old-time music specifically? Yeah, so I... Because you did the bluegrass thing, you did the, like, getting into Irish music thing. When did all time yeah, so picture for you? I feel like 
in my experience with traditional music, like started that with bluegrass, and I was like, mandolins are in bluegrass, so I guess that's what I do if I want to play mandolin. Sure. Bluegrass. Then like, oh, I kind of like these tunes. And then main fiddle camp is this is really kind of a cornerstone experience in my musical life. Uh, kind of stumbling into it, picking up a friend and being like, oh, I want to do this, and went there just as a, I was actually the first year I went, I was trying to learn fiddle, um, which I don't really play fiddle anymore, but. I, I got kind of burned out of trying to play fiddle. It's very, uh, it's, there's week, there's multiple week-long, there are multiple week-long camp sessions. So I'd been playing mandolin for eight or nine years and was brand new at fiddle, trying to learn fiddle eight hours a day. and oh. <laughs> Not eight hours, but there's, you know, six hours of of workshops for fiddle every day and I was just burnt out and I was like, like I need to workshop on how to get like tennis elbow yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> pretty much why I don't play fiddle yeah, not for main fiddle camp but yeah. being a self-taught I was like I play mandolin and I can, I can just if I can just figure out the bow and the left hand intonation I'm all set and <laughs> just like sat in my yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sat in my room and was like I'm gonna figure it out and yeah. played for too long and didn't take breaks and then I was like I can't feel my elbow <laughs> Or I can feel my elbow in the wrong way. Um, but so, Maine Fiddle Camp, and Maine in general, is a really interesting uh, kind of musical community for traditional music because there's a lot of different traditions in Maine. Sure. Um, you have Irish music from Boston. Mm-hmm. You have Quebecois from Quebec. You have uh, there's Scandinavian communities in Maine, so there's Scandinavian music. Um, Probably some Acadian music. There's some Acadian yeah. music, yeah, from PEI and yeah. Cape Breton for sure. There's then there's Maine music too. There's like of course classic Maine tunes, and then you have kind of folk revival for bluegrass and old time. Do you have a repertoire of Maine tunes? I have some. Yep. Maybe we should do another episode at some point. Yeah, that'd be talk fun. about Maine tunes. Yeah, or yeah. I can put you in touch with somebody who really knows their stuff. Yeah, or both. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so for me. Traditional music, and you go to Maine Fiddle Camp, and everybody's doing kind of all of it. Or at least I, as uh, as a camper and then instructor at Maine Fiddle Camp, I was just kind of hearing all of it. Yeah. And coming from bluegrass, I was like, it's just like tunes. And I didn't have the, like, this is an Irish tune, this is an old-time tune, this is a Scandinavian tune. I was like, oh, that, that tune sounds interesting. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a Scandinavian tune. I'm like, yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, <laughs> so getting in... That way, I feel like my brain sort of started out as traditional genre mush. Sure. And then slowly over time, I was able to realize like, oh, okay, this is an Irish tune. This is an old time tune. This is a Swedish tune. And these are the main tunes. And I think as I've gone along in my musical life, I've maybe become a little more traditional I think just as I've learned more about the history and the specific traditions of music, I've been more interested in how to play instruments in the sort of... Tradition is such a tricky (laughs) thing. (laughs) But, you know, like... Thinking, like... For me, my introduction to old time was through Maid Fiddle Camp, where there's... You know, everybody doing everything. And then 
learning about Round Peak and things like that, I, kinda, I feel like when people say, oh, I play old-time music these days, it, it often means, like, Round Peak style kind of sure. catch-all. Yeah. Or, or, like, kind of offshoot. For, I feel like that was a big opening up of old-time music. Right. Was collectors yeah. and Round Peak style. And then, like, sort of festival yeah, style. Yeah, and then festival style. Kind of from that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I, I kind of... I think probably part of my trouble was I, mandolin being my first instrument, I just played everything I, I heard on mandolin. So, like, I still play... I feel like when I play Irish tunes on a mandolin, it still kind of comes out a little bluegrass. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think what's helped me... Um, kind of become quote unquote more traditional is learning different instruments like I play in so far just six string guitar I don't play much outside of old time on six string guitar I play a little claw hammer banjo Um, I picked up Irish tenor banjo to kind of sound a little more Irish and I think I like to learn new instruments in my free time and I feel like that also helps me understand the role of that instrument in tradition in more specific traditional styles yeah yeah i would imagine i'm not familiar with mandolin being a traditional part of playing irish music yeah so is that true is that true i mean it's it's interesting going back to like what is tradition (laughs) yeah (laughs) like uh mandolin is somewhat of a traditional instrument so in Irish music... It's like accepted. Yeah, it's, okay. an, it's an accepted <laughs> instrument. How, how, how is it compared to like tenor banjo? Because I'm under the impression that that is also a somewhat recent in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of recent um, instruments that are now, again, quote-unquote traditional, yeah. in Irish <laughs> music, like bazookis. Which sure. is, you sort of think like, oh yeah, I hear bazookis in Irish music. But in late 60s, early 70s... Johnny Moynihan and some other Irish musicians were on vacation in Greece and saw some Greek bazooki players and were like, hey, wait a second. I think that would sound good backing up some jigs and reels. That's it? That's why? Yeah. yeah. Pro- I just wonder. I was like, that doesn't sound like a yeah. very Gaelic name for an instrument. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, I feel like Irish music has absorbed a lot more different instruments yeah. than old time has huh. yeah. where they are very much accepted in a traditional setting but they're not like traditional back to the dawn of time yeah. in Ireland and I feel like there's some other instruments that showed up in traditional Irish music like piano there's a lot of early recordings of yeah. piano sometimes just because they would get Irish fiddlers into recording studios and be like hey you need a backer so we got a piano player for you and it's like oh okay um, but yeah, so bazooki made its way into Irish music and now is traditional. And you, I mean, you think about the tenor banjo, that's banjo originating in Africa, coming to the United States, um, losing the, the drone string, getting yeah. fourth, <laughs> turning into tenor banjo, which became popular in a lot of early jazz and like New Orleans style jazz, tuned CGDA, like a viola. And then... I don't exactly know how it made it to Ireland, but, you know, it's coming from America. It's just that same band. To Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, probably. Hey, we could use that. (laughs) And so I think kind of mandolin made the same journey through America because 
oh, what was it? I think I'm a little lost in my mandolin history, but around like late 1800s, there was I think a Spanish group, maybe Italian, but I'm I'm leaning towards Spanish right now. Um, touring group came through with mandolins and sparked this whole mandolin orchestra craze huh. in in the states. Um, so then you had mandolins and mandolas like a viola and right. mandocellos and mando basses and all these instruments. And then from there, mandolin what does makes it even it... mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah a mando bass. Yeah, they're they're the most unwieldy instrument. Imagining... Should, just go, Google image search for mando bass. Anyone out there listening? Because they're wild. Are they are there like four courses, but with like multiple strings? They're, they're single course and, I, okay. and they're tuned like a bass, but they're they look like a, a giant mandolin, and they, and like some people would play them sitting down with like a big spike sticking out the yeah. side, and some people would play them standing up. They're are they like all lacquered looking too? Yeah, yeah, they just look like giant <laughs> so mandolins. There aren't that many around. They, they didn't really stand up musically or structurally to the sure. test of time. <laughs> I've heard that there is a similar trend with banjo orchestras. Yes, which I can only assume same thing. Yeah, like, definitely. There's some giant ideas. Fun. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of great old... Yeah, there's a lot of... At least we have a lot of good pictures. Just look up pictures of mandolin orchestras and banjo orchestras. All sizes of banjos. Five string, tenor, you name it. Plectrum. Uh, too many instruments in too little time. I wish I owned one of each. Yeah, so that's, I guess how you uh, prefer to engage with playing traditional music is uh, learning other instruments... And uh, trying to find how to fit in in whatever kind of situation that you're in. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's something not like coming from like by the time I was a somewhat competent mandolin player, I was in fiddle tune genre mush territory. Yeah, and picking up another instrument was like okay, I've got the basics from mandolin. I mostly play fretted picked instruments. Um, and picking up a new instrument is like, it was a very clear way of being like, how do I approach this and not put all of the the genre mush that I feel like is a little hard to get out of my mandolin playing? Or at least at that time, I feel yeah. like I've kind of dialed it back over the over the years of actually being able to sound more like an old-time mandolin player when yeah. I want to and more like an Irish mandolin player when I want to. Genre mush. I'm just, yeah. I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> I feel like that's really useful. Yeah. It, I feel like it's also kind of like it's like fiddle camp culture. Yeah, totally. It's it is. And it is. I don't mean it like... I think maybe some people would take it derogatorily, and I don't see it, like, because that is, like, my musical culture is... I identify yeah. with, like, the main musical yeah. traditional culture, which is a little bit of everything for good reason. Mush is, mush is good. Yeah. Some, <laughs> yeah. some of my favorite things are like, yeah. Cream of wheat, oatmeal. oatmeal. Polenta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like, I... Well, I, 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 like... Main fiddle camp is the reason that I play music. Yeah. Going there and having my world opened up. And at the same time, it's maybe not the best way to learn about specific... Yeah. More specific, like you don't hear a whole lot of people talking about like Round Peak or sure more specific. So sometimes you do, um, but kind of through my own, I like to listen to music 
a lot. <laughs> it's usually what I'm doing is listening to music and I don't know, meeting Emma and Emma's <laughs> got more of kind of a tradition because I she had the exact opposite yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, because you, you learned Irish fiddling from an Irish fiddle player in Ireland and then you know, you did the very traditional thing of going to Montreal and playing old time tunes. <laughs> I think I played only Irish music for a long time, and I, yeah, I had the opposite. I was a little more attached to that idea of doing everything in a traditional way yeah. and a little more judgmental about not doing it right. Sure. <laughs> and also scared. Like, I felt really interested in all of these genres of music, and when I heard them, I was like, that's super cool, and I love it, but I, it was actually multiple years that I was really thinking pretty hard about whether trying to play any of that music was something I even wanted to do, because I was, like, scared. I was like, it will ruin yeah. my Irish <laughs> music. Chops. <laughs> I don't think yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I had spent all the time that I've spent playing uh, all kinds of music just on practicing one, maybe I would have become a much better or more nuanced player of that thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that would probably be more just because of the hours of practice than because... Yeah. I did not ruin my yeah. <laughs> playing by trying something else, yeah. you know. So I think we started out <laughs> opposite and have influenced yeah, each yeah. other more towards the middle. Definitely. Let's play another tune. And then before the last tune is where we typically talk about, like, where do people go to follow what you're doing musically? Maybe give you money for goods or services, things like that. <laughs> but let's play a tune first. Sounds great. What's this waltz? What is it? Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Waltz. Did we learn it Harry Smith? Yeah. From Ben Weatherby. Oh, nice. Right? Yeah. Of course you would go to Harry Smith. Yeah. Going to college. I never went there when yeah, I was in college. Yeah, neither of us went there on? during yeah. college. Yeah, through again Emily Jeffries. Yeah. Like she'd been going for years and years, and I think I told you we. So Emily and I went to college together, um, but then didn't really hang out for a long. And then she moved to Maine with her husband, uh, and then we got to hang out with the both for a long time. And she was always saying like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to Harry Smith. You should come to it sometimes." Like, "Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great." And then one year we decided to actually do it, and it's awesome. I went this year. Oh, nice. For the first time since living in Philly and it was great to be back. It's such a special thing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And Ben Weatherby. Shout out to Ben Weatherby. Yeah. <laughs> also ben. very special. I've had some <laughs> wild like 3 a.m. 115% energy level yeah. jams with Ben yeah. <laughs> when there's Sounds like no one else is awake. Other people are awake but we're just like off in some crazy corner of I think we learned this at 3 a.m., but it wasn't 115%. Someone was, like, playing basketball. I think we were on a basketball blacktop thing. Right before, we all sat around trying to remember the, or figure out what the chords to um, that other one is. And then some lady walked by and blew this. What's the name of it? Meg Gray. Oh. 
Do you know that theme? It's weird. <laughs> and great. Uh, so this is Baron on the mandolin. Yep. Swapped instruments ready oh, yeah. for a waltz. <laughs> you're gonna have to you, no. lead this I was gonna yeah. say, do you wanna start with? No, you you yeah. lead it off and I'll get okay. some twinkling.
that what you all hear? Yeah. Going from a five back to a four? Yeah, that's what I do. It always feels so strange to do that. Yeah, I like it. The melody is dictating that. Yeah, and I like that you put some minor in there that was nice. Yeah, I love I love any time a little minor goes in. I love I love to hear the way different people interpret chords. Like, you know, it's it's a pretty it's kind of can be wide open territory within a certain bounds of you know what you're what you hear and what you're used to playing for chords and it can really have a lot of different options yeah there's uh people have such big feelings about it yeah <laughs> and so it's always interesting <laughs> whatever the big feelings are yeah. it's like... i don't have big feelings except i just like to hear what yeah. people what i like to hear what sounds natural to yeah different people me too especially when it's like wow not where I would have went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like kind of the most fun. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. So before we play our last tune and say goodbye, I mean, goodbye to having, we're going to hang out after <laughs> this, which is great, <laughs> but <laughs> goodbye to everyone listening. Uh, where do people go to follow what you're up to musically? Baron? You're on TikTok, and I follow you on TikTok. <laughs> uh, the secret's out. Yeah. I like to say that my business is on TikTok. Yeah, you're a TikTok I, I, My person... My, my personality? Or, so, <laughs> what am I trying to say here? I think TikTok is a good place for personality. But I don't... I haven't really put a whole lot of personality into TikTok yet. <laughs> so, I... My main project um, is... I run a website called Mando Lessons which I've been running since 2007, I think. And I put out traditional fiddle music, for the most part, but on mandolin. Um, lessons on YouTube. You can, you can find me on mandolessons.com or youtube.com slash mandolessons. Um, it's all free, so you can, if you want to learn any of these sort of... I don't think any of the tunes we've played today are on there, but... A lot of kind of more classic standard repertoire, yeah. both for old time and Irish and some Quebec tunes and kind of a little bit the 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 main style stuff. The the stuff Not I much. grew up learning. The main <laughs> yeah. the main fiddle camp much. repertoire. <laughs> I, I try to to demushify it a little bit before I start teaching it. Um, but there's um, yeah, so there's I put up new lessons every single week. You can subscribe there. It's all free. Even if just uh, there's a couple ways to donate, but that's not yeah, not great. important. And yeah, that's my main thing. Um, I am not a professional musician. <laughs> I'm just pretty much a just for fun musician. So that I don't great. <laughs> think that you can follow my music on the internet. But if you want letterpress stationery, sure. Yeah. I can provide it because I'm a letterpress printer for my job. Interesting. Okay, great. I mean, I, I might need some of that actually yeah. soon. So yeah, Squeeze Box Press Squeeze is box my press. Very good. my day job business, yeah. and my music life is just pretty much. If you want to come over to my house <laughs> yeah. and have some soup. Do you, do you like do you go play at TC O'Leary's or anything like that? Like, for um, crew? yeah, I guess on Sunday afternoons I've been playing at TC O'Leary's. Yeah. They have a a thing there on Sunday afternoons. I need to go there more often. Yeah, it's such a 
I wish there was an old time kind of sort of equivalent of like the Star uh, One. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there should be a, a TCO Leary's of old time music. Yeah, yeah, in my opinion, we're scheming. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Emma and Baron. This yeah. is great. Thanks for coming over, and thanks for having us on you, the on the pod. What do you want to do for the final tune, the fi- final non-bonus track tune? Mm. What were our other two uh, options? Horses in the Cane Break and Old Mother Logo. Oh. So you want kind What's of stand- Old Mother Logo? That's a weird one. What is that? I've never it's, heard of that. There's, we it's learned it from your Light and Hitch. Half and half. Oh, okay. It's on the Light and Hitch Jeez. record, and. If you look it up, there's a but there's like another version or two that are nothing like the Light and Hitch version. Yeah. But we play the version from Light and yeah. Hitch. Um, so the question: Do you want to play that one, or you want to do? Yeah, that? let's do that. Cool. Let's right. do that on the main. Yeah. So that's in half D and half G. Are you going to guitar or mandolin it? What uh, do you want to do? What does your heart tell you? I kind of want to play guitar, okay. but I also if it's if it's a total bad, I feel like you can figure it out on. Banjo. I like changing um, keys. Yeah, great. Let's do it. Yeah, um, I. This is a nightmare of a tune for me on the banjo because <laughs> I don't know whether to play it out. I, I don't play. I pretty much just tune to the key and play in that key. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. So. Uh-oh.
Check out Mandolessons.com and support Baron at Patreon.com slash Mandolessons so he can keep making great educational mandolin content online. And if you're on TikTok, give him a follow. If you're in need of a letterpress expert, check out Emma's work at SqueezeBoxPress.com. Please support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. It looks like masks are here to stay, so get your Get Up in the Cool mask now. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional claw hammer banjo series or to schedule a lesson with me. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>